Games rated E to T. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we talk to the creators of Overcooked 2 and remember Nintendo Power Magazine on its 30th anniversary. My name is Chris Slate. Joining me today are Doug Bowser, Head of Sales and Marketing at Nintendo of America, and Katie Casper from the Publisher and Developer Relations Group. Thanks for coming on the show. You bet. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. All right. So let's get started with Pros Picks, which is where we recommend games that we've been enjoying lately. And I don't know about you guys, but um, there's been a lot of games that um, I've been juggling lately. So Doug, why don't you start us off? What have you been spending your time with? Well, that's just the problem. There's been a lot of games lately. So... I've been bouncing between Super Mario Odyssey, where I have 31 moons until I finish the game completely, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze. Donkey Kong was my first game I ever played, so I'm going back to my roots. But I've been setting those aside lately and playing a little bit more of Mario Tennis Aces, which is a lot of fun, both just even going through the adventure mode or playing with friends in tournaments. Um, I've been dabbling in Fortnite, but I got to tell you, I've got a lot of work to do. And then uh, I have recently just picked up a Captain Toad treasure tracker, and I've been playing a couple levels there. Super, super fun. Good stuff. If you start to figure out some good tips for Fortnite, you're going to have to teach me because my first uh, my first match was pretty pathetic. Yeah, I've been on. Um, I've been playing solo primarily, and. Uh, I've learned that uh, that YouTube can truly be your friend and help you out quite a bit to get started. (laughs) That's a good tip. Because basically I killed myself in the first first match. (laughs) Never even got in any combat. Just like fell off a high area and then crawled to my death. (laughs) So got a ways to go on that one. And then um, Katie, what have you been playing? So I'm usually a pretty monogamous gamer. I like to dedicate my time to one game outside of work. (laughs) Uh, But lately, I've been dabbling in quite a few, like Doug. Uh, So I played the Arena of Valor beta last week, uh, which scratched my strategy itch that I often have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before that, I was actually able to go to CEO 2018, and I was able to play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate again. Uh, You know, I had the beach steps away from my hotel, but I willingly stood on cement floors 10 hours a day, three days in a row, to play Smash. And sadly, people didn't really want me to play with them very much, I found. (laughs) But I did get to study a lot, so that was a pretty, pretty awesome set of work days for me. Uh, and other than that, uh, I started Hollow Knight this past weekend. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play that yet. No. Yeah, I've put probably about 30 hours into that game uh, already. No, not yet. Oh, okay, so you're a lot further in than I am. I just reached the Fungal Wastes area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, like, overall that area is a nightmare for me because mushrooms are pretty much like the warts of the earth. So it's a struggle for me, <laughs> one, to get through it. Um, but I've played a few hours, and, and I'm really liking it. Um, I'm, I'm finding that the game is created with such a, such a sense of style. Uh, you can really tell that Team Cherry had a really clear vision of what, what sort of experience they wanted gamers to have. Yeah, I keep getting further and further into it. And, you know, it's, the progression is, I mean, it's a, it's a very um, fresh take on this idea. But the progression, you know, kind of loosely, you can loosely describe it as like a Metroid game. Um, you know, these kind of big subterranean mazes, and you're kind of uncovering more and more of the world as you go. But um, there's so much new stuff in it. And what I'm constantly amazed by is that, you know, this is an indie game. This isn't 
a major you know, AAA developer with those kinds of resources making this game, but yet this game still has so much content and is so polished that I can, I can have played it for 30 hours already and still have no idea really how close I am to the end because it just keeps going and going and there's just so many cool bosses and so many cool abilities that you get. So um, I'm just, I'm having a blast not really knowing where it ends or knowing even what the overall kind of goal is in some cases. You're just kind of learning as you go and so it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I really find myself getting lost deeper and deeper in the depths of hollowness every time I visit, you know, and everything works in really great harmony, it has really fantastic music, story, art style. Um, and I mean, for you, you're 30 hours in, I'm five hours in, but I should probably be, you know, as far as my progress, I should only be maybe two hours in, but I tend to putz around a lot in these types of games without mm-hmm. a map at my disposal. So whenever I jump into a new area, I'm always looking for uh, Cornifer. He's the uh, resident cartographer, mm-hmm. best friend, and he's helping me get through this game. Yeah, you can hear him humming when you enter an area and you're like, oh, where's he at? Oh, He's got to be close. I love that hum. You know, Chris, <laughs> your, your comment about, you know, the quality of the game, it, it, it's incredible on Nintendo Switch. If you look at the indie titles that have been released, it's not just about the breadth. It's about the depth that, um, that, that you also see in these games. And you're right. They're great quality and tons of fun. Yeah, it seems like, you know, not that long ago, an indie game kind of stood for, you know, oh, this is great for what, a small team or even in a lot of cases one person could make now these the 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 bar keeps getting raised getting raised higher and higher and some of the biggest reasons to own a, a platform like nintendo switch is just all of these these great indie content so you know you know we i i feel like i find some way to say shovel knight in every single episode of the <laughs> podcast so I've just, there you go i figured it out again here <laughs> but you know these kinds of games um i mean you know mario uh, zelda these franchises are, are always going to be my favorite but you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll play these kinds of games um, just as much as those. So. Yeah, that's great. And uh, the other, uh, you know, other than Hollow Knight, um, the, the game that started to eat into my Hollow Knight time is Octopath Traveler. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a game that um, kind of feels simultaneously modern and fresh, but still has that visual style that really links it back to the old school, like Super NES uh, RPGs. And I, I've been kind of a guy that initially, um, back in the day, I played a lot of RPGs, especially on Super NES. But for one reason or, or another, I've kind of um, fallen out of the genre. Uh, and, and maybe it's just because I don't have as much time to sink, you know, 100 hours into these kinds of games anymore. But I really looked at this game as an opportunity to get back into it. And, um, and because it has those kind of, it pulls up my nostalgic heartstrings, making me remember those older games. Um, and... Uh, that's exactly I've gotten exactly what I've wanted so far you know it feels kind of like a back to basics uh, RPG Um, not that it's simple or limited at all I mean there's a a ton of content there you can dig in but the presentation and the progression and everything is is just paced really well and balanced really beautifully and so I've been um, really enjoying kind of getting my RPG legs back with that game and and discovering the stories of the eight different characters. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on the presentation. I'm not much of an RPG player, but I had a chance to demo it um, a couple of weeks ago up in Treehouse, and it is absolutely stunning. The art style. Now, if I were to if I were to pick a traveler, which one would I should I pick as a, as a kind of a rookie RPG player? Ooh, well, that's a tough one, but uh, you know they they all have great stories. Personally, my favorite story so far, and I have seven of the eight um, okay. in my party. Um, is Primrose. I think her story, it's kind of on the darker side, and she was actually, um, you could play the first chapter of her story in the demo that came out previously. 
Um, but I find her story very interesting. And then also, um, but the, the um, I'm trying to blank on his name right now, but the more traditional kind of fighter, uh, knight type character is, uh, is always uh, going to be kind of your tank in battle. Right. So he's a great one to kind of put a lot of effort into leveling up early and and um, you know he has a cool story too, but but mainly he's he's my go-to in combat. So he's he's maybe the one to start with. All right, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know one other game I want to make a quick mention of is this game called Miles and Kilo. Uh, it's a very simple game. Um, it's, um, very I can't remember the exact price, but it's it's um, it's a really good deal. But it's a spiritual successor of sorts, in, in my mind at least, to the old kind of NES games, um, the Adventure Island series. Mm-hmm. You're kind of running forward the whole time, a little bit like Super Mario Run in a way. Um, but it has an 8-bit aesthetic, and it's it's this game where it's a lot of like pattern memorization and puzzle solving in a way. Um, so if you ever just want to turn your brain off and kind of go into that zone that you get with like a, a P-Cross game or something like that, um, I really enjoyed that one. So more puzzling than, than platforming or...? A little bit of both. It's actually the the thing it tests most is your timing and quick reflexes. Okay, but it's a lot of like I've got a I've got a dash under this, hop off of this snake's head, you know, swing on this vine, then dodge the boulder, and you do a lot of dying and repetition. But the levels themselves you can beat in like thirty seconds if you can get if you know the pattern. Right. So it is just a it kind of a, tickles that part of your brain that just likes doing a you know putting a puzzle together. Right. Yeah. Now, this is the first I'm hearing of this title, and with that title, Miles and Kilo, is there some sort of metric system versus imperial <laughs> system integration? Actually, Miles is the, is the boy, and Kilo is his dog. Okay. And uh, depending on the level, sometimes the dog's kind of pulling you behind him on the leash, and it changes the mechanics a little bit. But, but yeah, I think uh, uh, the, ga- the theme of the game is the distance traveled, so that the title is very appropriate. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Check it out. Um, all right, so now, still early in the show, but I'm going to test you guys um, with the Warp Zone quiz. Now, normally, um, this is where I would get you guys to guess games that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago. But um, I don't know if you know, but uh, this month, actually, um, uh, July marks the 30th anniversary of when the very first issue of Nintendo Power Magazine came out. Um, actually, that first issue was cover dated July, August. I think originally they didn't come out monthly. Um, so we're going to be um, celebrating that a little bit this episode, um, theming some of the usual sections after Nintendo Power. So what I want to do with the Warp Zone quiz is quiz you guys and see if you can guess which games appeared on the cover of Nintendo Power Magazine 10, 20, and 30 years ago. So good luck to us. A little us bit both challenging. Then. Wow. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so 10 years ago, this is the July 2008 issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, the clues are, um, and by the way, I'll take just the series. You don't necessarily need to give me the exact game here. Um, but this this particular game was on Nintendo DS, and it's from a gothic action platforming series uh, from Konami that first became popular on the NES and uh, was whipped into an animated series on Netflix not too long ago. You just so any guesses you as to what that one this up. series? <laughs> Castlevania. That's right. The exact game well was done. Castlevania: Order of Ecclesia. Well done. That was not on my list of possible titles. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, once he got at me with the puns, I heard him loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can to help out the guests, but I don't think you would have needed it. Um, so this next one is going to be twenty years ago. Uh, this was on the cover of the July 1998 issue, and again, the series is just fine here. Uh, this N64 game was published by Acclaim Sports, 
and comes from a multiplayer franchise that was huge on that system. And the game featured special moves uh, with names like the Sharpshooter, Sweet Chin Music, Pedigree, or the Rock Bottom. Any guesses as to what the game or the series could be? And this is N64? Mm-hmm. And Acclaim Games. So I'm trying yeah. to think of the sports titles. And I'm or sports entertainment titles, one Oh, okay. So this is... In my head, I wanted it to be Charles Barkley Shut Up and Jam, but I don't think we're going there. <laughs> I th- I want to say it's a WWF title. That's right. But, you know, I give you a lot of credit for remembering that there was a Charles Barkley <laughs> Shut Up and Jam. Game. I know. Special request. Yeah, this, this was WWF uh, um, Warzone. <gasps> and, you know, the WWF and WCW games back on the N64 were, were huge. My personal favorite was WWF uh, No Mercy. But, um, yep. Good one. WCW. Katie 2, Doug 0. I'll hold back. I actually, I was a huge fan of wrestling as a kid, so I, I had WCW and WO Revenge. And oh, nice. that was well, like, well frequented on my Nintendo 64. No, you keep going. You're on a roll now. So if you can, <laughs> if you can get all three. It's the hat trick. It's the hat trick. Let's see here. All right, well, we'll find out. 30 years ago, this is the very first issue of Nintendo Power. Again, like I said, the July-August 1988 issue. And um, this one I am going to require the exact name of this title. Uh, this is a sequel to an iconic game. This, this sequel was very different than the original. It featured four main characters and let you pull turnips out of the ground. And spoiler alert, the entire game was actually a dream. So what was the game that was on the very first issue of Nintendo Power? Super Mario Brothers 2. Looking two. Back. two. Two. That's yeah. right. <laughs> thank, yeah. thank you, Doug, with the assist. <laughs> there was a lot of back and forth between you guys deciding who was going to answer. Well, I kind of wanted to get the hat trick, but uh, that's a tie. We, we did it it's, together. It still yeah. counts. Super Mario Brothers two. 2. The turnips is like evolutionary for in platforming times. Yeah, and, I, I noticed, um, you know, when you were talking about... Um, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and playing that lately, they brought that mechanic back. They did. Because Mr. Tanabe, who worked on that game, worked on Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze as well. Yeah. So I love that. I like just love yanking things oh, out of the ground so cool. and throwing them at people. And you'll get you'll get a little bit of that in Captain Toad also. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Some turnips in there as well. That's right. I see you brought a copy of the uh, the very first issue with you. Yeah, we have it here uh, on the table. Um, a little worn, but not bad for 30 years old. Uh, this was the one I actually... Um, I believe this is the one I actually received, uh, you know, when I was a kid with my charter subscription. I uh, I had been a, a subscriber to a Nintendo Fun Club, which was the newsletter that that they used to have for I'd say I can't remember exactly, maybe eight to ten issues before Nintendo Power started. And um, I guess I can say this now: I uh, I had signed up for several different free Nintendo uh, Fun Club subscriptions under various aliases, uh, and uh, and Sneaky. therefore I got about six copies of Nintendo Power Number One sent to me when uh, when that started. That's great. And this is the one that survived. It's in beautiful shape, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, now we're going to move on to Player's Pulse. And in honor of uh, the Nintendo Power anniversary, um, what we did was we went on Twitter this month, and we asked Nintendo fans to ask any questions they might have about the magazine. Now, I was editor-in-chief of the magazine for five years back during the the Wii era, so, um, you know, maybe I can uh, answer a few of these. Uh, The first one comes from, am I going to pronounce this right? Lilatroid which I can only imagine was, is a reference to Star Fox. Um, what was your favorite part of Nintendo Power Magazine? Um, well, let me start with you guys. You know, what, um, when I say Nintendo Power, I don't know, what comes to mind? 
Uh, so for me, I really enjoyed a few different sections. Player's Pulse was always something I liked to frequent just because it was interesting to see what other fans like me were saying and also to see how editors would respond in a really savvy way to sometimes some off-kilter questions. Um, and I also really liked the art um, that was showcased in those sections because at a certain point in my life, in my head, I was going to be a concept artist for Nintendo. So I had to gauge kind of what the, what the scene was out, like the competition out there. So I liked that section. Um, and strangely enough, I, I always remember the ads as well. Those were... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the self-published ads. Like, they were always really sassy, like saying that you don't need chicken soup when you're sick, you need Nintendo Power. Um, <laughs> I remember one where it was like, if you didn't have Nintendo Power, it like implied that you could get run over by a bus and become like tire jam. It was just like all this like funny, like 90s silly humor that... As a kid, I was like, yeah, they're right. I don't want to be tired, Jam. I better have the player's guide for this. So I just like the way that it. it spoke to the readers. Yeah, I love how those old issues are like a time capsule. You see a lot of like cool kids with jean jackets and backwards baseball caps on playing their rad new Nintendo games. Oh, I'm yeah. looking through it right now, and that's clearly the depiction I see. You know, for me, Chris, the thing that I loved was, you know, I just mentioned earlier that uh, to help me get started in Fortnite, I had to check out a few YouTube videos. This, mm -hmm. this is the equivalent of that in print version. Exactly. So, so, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to, you know, look at maps and find ways to, uh, to get around tough areas. And uh, that was the value I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And along the lines of the maps, I used to really enjoy the classified information section, which is where you had all the cheat codes. Right. And you, you don't really get those so much anymore. I think what you used to get from cheat codes is basically DLC now. But, um, but I used to love um, finding out how to, get, you know, skip to different levels or, you know, unlock um, sound test modes, things like that. Um, and, and, as, tell, and tell the truth, did you skip to different levels? Oh, yes. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, I tried to go back and beat the games legitimately, but of course, if someone says, hey, you can just skip to the last, you know, you can skip to World 8-1 in Super Mario Brothers, you've got to give you it a go. try. You <laughs> go. Yeah. And, uh, and when I worked on the magazine, actually, the section that I, I really liked the most and was kind of the most proud of because our team got to really um, um, add it to the magazine was we reworked the the intro section of the book um, to include a lot more just fun stuff for the fans, um, primarily for ourselves, and thankfully the, the readers liked them as well. Um, you know, we called the section Power Up, um, so it had some traditional news articles, but we also put in, uh, you know, spotlights on Nintendo gaming superstars. The, the original Warp Zone was there, which looked back at games that came out 10, 20, uh, actually I don't think it was 10, 20, 30 at that point, because it was a, a while back, but you know, different increments of time. Um, and then we even got to have a, a you know, whenever you can put a, a little sidebar in there called Dodongo Dislikes, which is the most, oh. you know, nerdy reference ever to the original <laughs> Legend of Zelda. Um, you know, you know, you've, you've made it, I suppose. Um, next letter is from Isaac Brown. Um, he asks, what is your favorite article from Nintendo Power? Well, as a kid, I liked um, the Legend of Zelda second quest feature, which in the first issue had, um, you know, a big fold-out map that, and also just revealed the fact that there was a whole other quest in this game that you didn't know about. And then, uh, again, as an editor-in-chief, um, we got to work on a, a feature for the 250th issue called 250 Reasons to Love Nintendo. Um, and um, that was just a big excuse to just throw in everything we ever like. A big, you know, our big personal, as myself and all the other writers, love letters back to Nintendo. So that was a lot of fun. And then um, from David H. Brown, he asks, I would love to see the Nintendo Power Awards. What games of the year would have been during NP's non-existence? So 
the magazine ended in 2012, so we're thinking it's been a few years since then. What are some of the games that might have been in contention for that coveted Nintendo Power Game of the Year award? Wow. Well, you just look at this last year, Chris, and I mean, how could you not nominate Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild or Super Mario Odyssey? But going back a few years, I think Splatoon deserves to be up there also because it, it really, it, it's a new piece of IP that um, has really kind of redefined kind of fun competitive gaming. And I think it would have to be up on the list. Yeah, I'm surprised Absolutely. how much time Splatoon sucked out of my life because, <laughs> you know, it, it, it for me, a, a new IP, there's always a little bit of hesitance as far as how, how you're going to like it. Everyone has fun in different ways. But, you know, as soon as I started playing that Splatoon multiplayer and playing cooperatively, playing competitively, I'm pretty sure I sunk well over two, three hundred hours into that into that game. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that, that game just came out of nowhere and surprised me. And I I still think about it. I mean, luckily we've got Splatoon 2, so we don't need to think we can play. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And it's fun to see how far the game's come in the last few years also. Absolutely. Some other games that popped off to me, and I just took a very kind of uh, brief look back at, uh, you know, the years since uh, the magazine ended. In 2013, you know, just off the, you know, the, the top there, you had Super Mario 3D World, Fire Emblem Awakening, The Legend of Zelda, Link Between Worlds, and Animal Crossing New Leaf. So I don't know what we would have picked that year. Uh, then 2014, you had Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo 3DS. Plus, you had Mario Kart 8 and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Mario Kart 8 probably would have won out for me, uh, just because Mario Kart's like my favorite racing. You've series got some ever. pretty mad skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a great Super Smash Brothers player. I'm not necessarily a great Splatoon player, but I'm I've I've leveled up in Mario Kart 8. Well, and be honest, you are the office champ. Well, you know, thanks for bringing that up, Doug. I wasn't going to say it myself. Uh, two-time champion, two-time champion. I'm going to have to come down there and visit. <laughs> hey, you already sent your emissary, and I defeated him. So I'll talk to you about that later. Um, and then uh, 2015, for me, it would have absolutely been Super Mario Maker. I yeah. just love that yeah. game. And then uh, 2016, Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon, I think probably would have had a good shot at it. And then, Doug, like you said last year, I don't know how we would have chosen between Super Mario Odyssey and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's that's the impossible choice right there for me. Um, but, you know, a little uh, insight into how we chose those awards as well. That was, um, you know, the whole team would get together and we would kind of each come up with our own individual lists. And um, and then we had this whole formula where we would wait, you know, get, assign points to if you gave a game your, your first spot, your second spot, third spot, and so on. And we would use that to generate what supposedly is a list that, that combined all of our opinions and then we, we, that would basically, that list, instead of being the final list, would be the starting off point for our debates. And it would get pretty heated because, as you can imagine, we each had our favorite franchises and games that we thought really deserved the spotlight. And how many of you? Um, you know, I'd say uh, editorially, not counting like um, um, art directors and designers who would also chime in as well. And when I was there, it'd probably be about a handful of people. Okay. And, and then sometimes we'd also bring in... Um, some of the, uh, the freelance writers as well, if they had a certain expertise, we wanted to make sure it was, was uh, reflected in the list. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But like I said, a lot of um, fun debates. Yeah. So next up from uh, Brandon Alvello asks, will Nestor ever return in some form? I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nestor. He was actually, there was a recurring comic uh, strip that uh, from time to time would appear in Nintendo Power, would disappear for a while, come back. Um, featuring this uh, this uh, kid, Nestor, and he knew everything about uh, video games. And um, you would they would sneak little 
gameplay tips into those. And I was um, lucky enough to have been able to write a couple of those, including the the final Nestor strip that appeared in the last issue of, of Nintendo Power. And um, I love the character. He had his own virtual boy game called Nestor's Funky Bowling. But uh, but no, unfortunately, there's no plans for Nestor to come back. Uh, we could say that Nestor's here with us now in this new version of Nintendo Power. Of course, you can't see him. See him, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, but just, you know, he's yeah. partially here within you, Chris. I, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of alter ego yeah. in, in there. So. Well, you know, I think there's, there's a beautiful message there. Nestor is a part of all of us as Nintendo. Oh, absolutely. So he, he's always here. Or if you want, you can just imagine him playing funky bowling over there in the corner while we're recording the show. <laughs> Let's get that in the graphic. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, um, now I want to get to game forecast. We're going to take a quick look at some of the new games coming out over uh, the next few weeks. Um, for Nintendo Switch, we've got Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2 on July 24th. Go Vacation on July 27th. Overcooked 2 on August 7th. Okami HD on August 9th. Uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate on August 28th. And then... WarioWare Gold on August 8th for uh, Nintendo 3DS. Is there one you're looking forward to? Well, there's a few of these, actually. You know, I, um, I don't know if I might have to turn in my, like, uh, gamer uh, passport or something, whatever, here, if, if I admit this. But I've never played any version of Okami. <gasps> and uh, I know it's, it's always looked like a beautiful game. I've heard that the gameplay is, is an adventure game, kind of like The Legend of Zelda. It seems right up my alley, and um, so I'm looking at this as my opportunity to finally write that wrong. Yeah. Oh, Chris, it's over- you're going to like Overcooked it. Overcooked 2 for me. Yeah. Well, well, it's several on this list. That's definitely there as well. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good problem to have. I think there's so many different games and so many, like, well-acclaimed games. You know, Okami, Chris, you've got you've to play it. Yeah. You're going to get hype. lost in that world, and then you're going to think it's over, and then you're only, like, 30% done. Oh, really? <laughs> Sounds like the kind of game I need to to get to for sure after I finish Octopath Traveler. I was just going to say, I don't know when I'll see you again, Chris. Um, And then WarioWare Gold. I'm a big fan of the WarioWare series. Cool. Yeah, WarioWare, I mean, I remember the first game on Game Boy. That one really surprised me, just like how novel the concept was. So I'm looking forward to going back and and revisiting the WarioWare world again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't get enough of those wacky characters. I still want Nine Volt to uh, to get more of the spotlight <laughs> as a as a fellow gamer geek. <laughs> I want them all to get their spotlight. Just all like I just remember they all had their own different like micro game like section, and I just loved visiting. Like there was one I remember on Game Boy where it was like you were driving, going from one mini game to the other with the windshield wipers, and God, the music was so good. I could just yeah. I think I'm gonna. I mean, there's so many great games coming out this month, but I may go back to the original WarioWare for a little bit. Oh, well, well you've, you've got time. Yeah, I think I got a little time. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, uh, guys, Doug and Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, it's been great having you here. Well, thanks for having us. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Now joining me from the UK are Phil Duncan and Ollie Devine from Ghost Town Games, the developers of Overcooked Special Edition and the upcoming Overcooked 2 for Nintendo Switch. Guys, thanks for calling in. Thanks, Hi. Guys. Yeah, thanks so much. Great. Now let's start with Overcooked Special Edition. Um, now this game came out last year and has continued to be a big hit, um, and it's a very different kind of game. Can you describe the basic gameplay for anyone listening who maybe hasn't had a chance to play it yet? Sure, yeah. I guess I'll just jump in. So Overcooked is a cooperative cooking game 
So the idea is that you are controlling chefs in a kitchen. Uh, there's there's one to four players, and it's all about sort of dividing up all the various tasks that you get in a kitchen. So you'll be growing ingredients and preparing them and cooking them and serving them out to the the restaurant. But we have all kinds of crazy different kitchens that you find yourself in in the campaign. So we've got ones that are on like a pirate ship or an icebergs or in a haunted house. Uh, and basically, it's, it's a game all about teamwork. So it's a game about trying to get work together to break up all those little tasks and trying to uh, serve the food in as efficient a way as possible. Right, and this game can be played from like one to four players, um, but it seems like the more players you bring in and the more chaotic it gets, uh, kind of the more fun it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the more people you get, the more the more crazy it gets. So I think Overcooked is kind of in its best when things are slightly going wrong. I definitely enjoy it slightly more when things are going slightly wrong. And the kitchens, as the, as the game goes on, get more dramatic in the sense that there's more fire gets involved. You get more things sliding around the levels. You get things sinking and like yeah. bits of the level falling off and all that kind of stuff. And we've tried to sort of amp up that level of chaos in, in the sequel as well to try and get more and more yeah. that you have to overcome as a team. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like the more players you add, then the more you need to communicate because yeah. you've got more little people to keep an eye on, and that's why it just seems even more chaotic. Even though, like in theory, you should be be able to do a lot more yeah. in a time with that many people. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the kitchens change wildly and and have a lot of kind of arcade style elements, from conveyor belts to shifting um, kind of uh, layouts. Um, but no matter what uh, situation or no matter what kind of kitchen you're going into, what would you say are some core, um, you know, key tips for new players? Just things that you want to be thinking when you start to play this game. Well, I think a big thing is that you need to be able to communicate well as to what tasks you're going to be taking on, and like you need to be telling people, "Oh, I need to, those onions. You need to pass those to me." Because the thing we found a lot with people watching people play the games, it doesn't necessarily matter how good at games you are. It definitely matters most how good at communicating you are, how good you are at functioning as a team. Because Overcooked is very much a game where everyone has something to do all the time simultaneously. So you have to kind of be independent and doing your own thing, but telling people what you're doing and asking for help and when you need it. Yeah, I'd also say I've, I've, I've seen a few people play the game where like they have four chefs playing the game and then they have somebody else who's just watching as the head chef. <laughs> she used to work really well. So someone is just at the back kind of sort of directing everyone. Right, right. Now, um, switching to Overcooked 2, um, which is coming out on August 7th, what are some of the new features that fans can look forward to? Well, we have a whole heap of new features. I mean, that was that was kind of the impetus for creating the game was we had all these things that we didn't quite manage to get into Overcooked, basically because there was only two of us working on it. Uh, this time we've, we've teamed up with Team 17 who published the first game and they're now helping us with the development. So they were able to like bring to life a lot of these ideas that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Um, online multiplayer is the big new feature that we've added for this game. It was the thing that people were crying out for with the original game. So that's, that's something we're really glad we've been able to bring to the game is, is like being able to have people play the game with friends who live in like other countries or other states that's that's one of the features or just like two switches next to each other in the same way yeah, or that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feeling lazy yeah uh and then the other one's dynamic levels so we've got these levels where uh to the first dynamic level is this hot air balloon that crashes into a sushi kitchen we have a whole bunch of levels where the level will transition from one set of recipes to another set of recipes as the level kind of shifts and changes shape and that was something we really wanted to do in the first game, but because the first game was just the two of us making it, and this new game is like a, a good old team of people, we've worked with Team 17 on this one, uh, we've been able to just do way more artistically, and, yeah. uh, like code-wise, which is why I've been able to do the networking and the dynamic levels and a lot of our recipes and new like mechanics that we wanted to do in the first game. Yeah. 
and then we've been able to add you know more chefs there's more levels there's more mechanics yeah the arts had a complete overhaul yeah basically more is the watchword we've just been able to add so much more to it could do yeah yeah the new chefs um uh, are getting pretty outrageous too oh yeah we haven't held back for the design for the new chefs <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the interesting things that I found uh, with the original Overcooked, and I think that's going to be coming back in this one as well, is um, people might not expect it when you initially describe what kind of game this is, but there's a, there's a story, and the story is pretty out there. Can you talk a little bit about um, the, the setup for Overcooked 2? Right, yes. Yeah. So this is kind of like pun-first development a little bit. So we, we, <laughs> we started with um, the premise of... So Overcooked 1 had this story of the, the uh, Peckish who was kind of coming to... to to destroy the world and you had to feed satiates hunger. So we started being like, what could be a, a set for two at the same level of drama? And we ended up coming towards the the unbred, uh, which are these so un, <laughs> undead walking bread um, toast monsters. <laughs> the, the, the only thing, uh, resurrection of the grave by reading from the, the fabled Necronomicon. And your mission on Earth two is to be able to learn all the recipes and techniques you need in order to be able to satiate the hunger of of the the, the unbred yeah. in order to save the young kingdom again <laughs> yeah the, the the outrageous story is something that that we added to the first game because we wanted to make it obvious from the off that this wasn't just your everyday cooking game you know this wasn't like cooking mother or something this isn't something where you're just in a wholesome kitchen this is going to get nuts this is going to be ridiculous so we're like okay we're going to hit people over the head with that from the off so yeah. that's why the first game opened the apocalypse and we're like well you know, we've, we've got to, why break the habit of a lifetime, right, with the second game? Yeah, second game. I think every game, has, every game has to start with an apocalypse. I think that's just how the game works. <laughs> yeah. So it's an apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic cooking game. <laughs> Mid-apocalyptic. <laughs> Mid-apocalyptic. Trying to stave off the apocalypse. Medium-level apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, one thing thing I want to note for everyone listening is that um, you know it's it's maybe a little hard to picture um, if you've never played this game before exactly what it looks like. But there was a great segment that Phil and Ollie, you both appeared in uh, for Nintendo Treehouse Live at E3, and where you guys on stage uh, played the game and demoed uh, Overcooked 2. And um, I really recommend anyone to to find it on YouTube and check it out. Um, it's a really great example of of, uh, of what the game uh, is all about. Now, I also wanted to ask if there's going to be any exclusive features for the Nintendo Switch version of the game. Yes, yeah, yeah. So the game is now available for pre-order. So we have, um, there are, there's a, a pack that you can get for pre-order, which includes five uh, new chefs for the game. But for Nintendo Switch, we'll have a sixth exclusive uh, chef, which is the Platypus Chef. Yeah, it's especially one of my favorites. I really like the, the, the design of the Platypus Chef. It's just really great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And... and um, I wanted to ask, um, you know, these games, as people can imagine, they're wild to play. Are, are they wild to make? I mean, what's that development um, uh, process like? And, and do you have any fun stories from uh, development of either game? <laughs> they're, they're a tricky game to make when there's only two of you. Yes. <laughs> so the first game we really struggled at it. I don't even know why we got it in our heads. It would be a really good idea to make a four-player game when there's just the two of us. Yeah, but we certainly have like, <laughs> lots of stories of us like both holding two pads and trying to to juggle them. While so recording, yeah, recording so. the trailer was a nightmare because there were only two of us and we had to set it up so that each joystick would like move a different chef and then we were trying to coordinate like a scripted sequence of things that needed to happen in the trailer. 
there's this one shot which you've handed across where like there was one player chopping and another player picking up a pot and then you walked across and followed them and then you encountered another chef putting on something on it. It was just an absolute nightmare. Took like a good day to do all of the recording of that. And it was just like take after take after take on also like really old PCs at the time because we didn't have any money so we had to like borrow a friend's computer and it wouldn't run with like the capture software and we had to keep stopping it and be like no that stalls that didn't work we had to record yeah, at half speed it. <laughs> everything had to be done at half speed and then sped up <laughs> so that was that was oh wow yeah, so when it came to actually like getting proper playtesting we had to you know rope in friends and relatives basically just bribing them to come around to the house and play the game while we just sat there with a notepad yeah. well this is the thing it's like the game's so psychological because it involves multiple people cooperating that you don't know what levels are going to be difficult and what levels are going to be easy until you have four people playing it so you basically just had to we had to get people playing constantly we had to take it to little conventions we had to get but for this one we had to sort of have team 17's user research department constantly basically doing having people in and like yeah. recording videos of these people playing and being like oh that doesn't work and that didn't work that's too complicated they're yeah. getting very angry now yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're, they're throwing up control they're on the floor <laughs> they're crying um, and yeah we had a lot of friends over and just trying to hammer through the game on this one yes yeah, so it's quite quite an intense yeah intense uh, development it's very process. iterative it's iterative development that's a better word <laughs> <laughs> what's it been like um starting uh you know, uh, with the original Overcooked compared to now with Overcooked 2, you've, you know, the first game has had the success and, and now has a broad fan base. And you mentioned working with Team 17 this time. How has developing this new game been different than the first game? I guess the, the big difference, right, is just the starting point. Like the fact that we've got the first game to build off. Like when we were making the first game, so much of it was making up as we go along mm-hmm. and, you know, breaking a lot of eggs. Like we, we, I hate, I keep using food analogies, I'm just going to have to scrap that once. <laughs> but yeah, basically that we've we're, we're, we're made a lot of mistakes and we'd, we'd refined all the rough edges and we'd got to the, the core of the game as we as we liked it. And it kind of felt like once we'd done that, we only had like a few months left to make the game. So this time around, it's like, no, we've, we've, we've got the core game. Now let's just build on it. Let's add all the features that we had to scrap. We actually got to polish this one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> the first one was very much like up until the very end of development was just like, oh, we can get everything in in time. We, we ran out of money completely <laughs> yeah. over the course of the first development. And uh, yeah, this one, we've actually been able to start from a position of, okay, what would we, if what we in our dreams were what would be in an overcooked game rather yeah. than trying to work out even what how a cooking game would work as a co-op game mm-hmm. which is our whole task with the first game and we definitely need to call out um team 17 because they were just fantastic to work with it was so good yeah. being able to share the load with them so you know their, their art department's done a really good job to just completely polish up the, the, the art style that we had from the first game and just build on that uh, the yeah. design team has put together some really fantastic new levels and got some really good ideas. That the music was also really good. Like, music so Holly did a really good job yeah. music. Because obviously our, our first game, we, we didn't have uh, an in-house composer, but now we have an in-house composer so we could do our own like soundtrack mm-hmm. for every level and that's been really nice. Yeah, it's been really nice just talking with them and sort of coming up with ideas and, and just building on that, that, that first game. Yeah, bouncing ideas between the two places was great. It was mm. a real process there of like, oh, like, oh, this isn't quite, this is kind of dragging in the middle and this is like, oh, this isn't quite working here and we can add some stuff there. And oh, that, that was very organic and, and fun to do this time. Mm-hmm. And what has the process been like bringing the series to Nintendo Switch? Uh, good, actually. I mean, so once we, uh, so obviously the game already was working on Nintendo Switches in the first in the first place um, for the first game, and so we started from a position of okay, we've got this, we've got a, a game that, run, that runs very well on Switch, and now what can we do to sort of bring that up graphically, and what can we do to like 
improve improve that. And it's just been it's a really nice console for local co-op play in the first place. And it's a really fun console to play the game on. It's really fun to demo the game with the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I find. I really, I really like the fact as well that we've just got such a really great fan base on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I like the fact that the, the players really took to Overcooked Two on Switch, and we just get so many fantastic emails from people, uh, from just you know, what I really like is we keep getting stories from people who are saying like, you know, I've been a gamer my whole life, but finally this is a game that I can play with my my wife or my husband who doesn't play games. Like finally, I've got something that we can share together, and that's just yeah, and that's been a big thing for us because I mean, one of the things we really wanted for Overcooked was to be this bridging game between players who maybe played lots of video games and players who hadn't played that many video games, and that was something that we were really able to get on Switch because a lot of people have that game out in the world and you'll be playing it you know, with your family or whatever, and it's very kind of, because it's so portable, it's very yeah. accessible. Uh, so you can be like, meet some friends, or you'd go on a train journey somewhere, and then you'd be like, oh, we'll just play some Overcooked, and that's really cool. Yeah, I've really seen like so that. many like photos from people playing in airports. Yeah, that's the talent in the world. That's crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be, um, you mentioned, um, you know, different types of players or people getting others into the game. It does seem to be this perfect mix where, you know, someone like me who plays a ton of games, I kind of approach it almost as a... Uh, you know, a fast kind of, um, you know, arcade style um, uh, game. Um, but then you can have, it also has this appeal to like almost like a board game kind of party night where you might have a bunch of friends over and and uh, even non-gaming friends could get into it from that way. So in that way, it seems to be like a good mix of styles that has a lot, um, you know, for a lot of different types of players. Well, thank you very much. I mean, that was something we really tried to do. I think part of that was just keeping the control simple. Yeah. Because so much of like making a game accessible to people who play games that much is... Uh, the, the controls can be very intimidating when we play a game for the first yeah. time. And our game is really just a joystick and two buttons. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was definitely a point, wasn't there, at the start where we were like, you know what, if, if, we, if we could make it like a twin stick game, so you know, you're moving in one direction with one stick and then you're aiming with the other. But ultimately, I think it's when we took it to some of our first conventions and we had younger players pick it up and just go launch straight into the game mm. to the point where they were, you know, like explaining to other adults how they should be playing the game. Yes. Thought, okay, that's something we need to aim for. That's something that we should embrace. Yeah, to hold on to that. Um, and yeah, we've managed to add some features to the new game. So we've got throwing in the new game, which is something that I think will allow a lot more of that kind of speed running, high level gameplay. Um, but we want that to still be accessible. It's still got this thing where it freezes you on the spot when you're aiming and that kind of stuff. still kind of accessible to non-gamers. And we've tried to smooth out that difficulty curve in this game as well. Yeah. the first game was a bit harder at the beginning. Definitely. A steep um, learning curve. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the second game, if anything, will be more of a, of a mix of people playing it. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, the challenges, especially early on, of, of balancing a, a four-player game with just a, a couple of people. Um, what what's something that you learned once the the first game and, and maybe how this you know also impacted the development of the second game? What's something you learned when the game got out in the wild and you, you really saw how people a lot of different people were playing it together? I think people were a lot more into high scores than I expected them to be. <laughs> That's true. Uh, which is funny because in the first game I didn't feel that there was that much difference between scores you could get, and I've tried to, we tried to like to make the second game a little bit more finally judged changing the score system and making throwing a thing yes yeah, so we've, we've now changed the scoring system uh so that there's like a combo meter so if you serve orders in the order that they come in then you can actually build up a combo meter and get higher scores we've also changed it so that when you deliver a meal uh if it has fewer ingredients or fewer steps you actually get less uh less points for it so you don't have this one of the situations we found with the first game is that a lot of people would spam the really small 
uh, orders because they could get the same amount of points and they could yeah. you know, just rush through. So there'd just be some poor sucker who'd ordered like a, a burger with everything back to wait 20 minutes for a spoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we had a lot of people asking for things. So we had a lot of like people asking for like, oh, we wish we could have sushi, we should get have cakes. Yeah. A lot of that went into the end. A lot of the features of Epic Tour are sort of determined by suggestions people are giving us at conventions and things. And we're like, oh, that would have been great. But when we were like making Epic One, we were so desperate to just get the thing finished. Because yes. <laughs> we were like, at the very end. Uh, and this one, we were able to like, add all of that stuff. Yeah, finally. like sushi, for example, was something that we had in the original game, but had to cut. Throwing yeah. again was something we'd experimented with, but had to cut. It was, it was in our original really ropey trailer that we sent around. Like, yeah. The end, it was like, it's going to have all this stuff, it's going to be amazing. It's like, oh, we had to, to cut that down a bit. Oh, wait, yeah. We're <laughs> like showing our friends the error. <laughs> Got down to my last 13 pounds. <laughs> You mentioned before about, um, you know, what the process was like working on the trailer. And, um, you know, I mentioned uh, that you guys appeared on Treehouse Live at E3. Um, Overcooked 2 was one of the bigger announcements um, at the show for me. Um, what was it like kind of, um, you know, coming from, you know, I don't know how you felt, uh, you know, when you first put the original game out there and, and how much you may have expected kind of the, the, the success that it had. But certainly going into the show, you must have known that Overcooked 2 would be something that a lot of people would be very interested uh, interested to hear about. So what's it like kind of going into the show and then being there and kind of being one of those big announcements that gets a lot of attention? Just, it's completely surreal. It's not something that, that we were, it's not even something that we were really expecting. I mean, we, we know that the, the game's had a level of success um, but even up to that point, I, I, I don't think it really sort of sunk in just how aware people were of the game. So it's really strange going to E3 because we actually went two years ago with the first game and we were sort of like street traders. We were just sat at the edge trying to get people to come and play the game and we'd have to introduce them. Whereas this time we'd be like, oh yeah, we'll make a game called Overcooked. And they'd be like, great, I've played it. And we're like, what? Really? Yeah. Oh. This is our first time on the floor as well because last time it was all behind closed doors and in like a little press room. Uh, and this time we got like the we were in the, the big Nintendo area and that was kind of crazy because we had like this massive queue that went around and it's just like wow people really want to play this this is cool yeah unbelievable and, and and kind of scary as well like we weren't allowed to talk about the game for such a long time before the announce so I, I think it was just a, this huge wave of relief uh, relief sorry after the Treehouse Live because suddenly we could tell people what we yeah had to. we've had to be really secretive this time like first game because no one knew anything about what we were doing well no one knew who we were so it was just like super secret like not only have to be a secret but this time we've had to be like okay if anyone hears about overcooking now it'll be like on twitter and like tomorrow yeah. so we need to be like really careful right. which is making it very difficult to like test it because <laughs> obviously last time we could take it to random strangers and now we had to make it all in indoors everyone's and got to sign ndas and ndas and yeah, we had schools testing it and then we had kids sign it signed it oh wow <laughs> a teacher probably signed yeah, it a teacher maybe signed it but like kids have actually kept it secret yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't remember having assignments that fun back when i was in school yeah right <laughs> Well, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to, um, you know, tell everyone about Overcooked 2? Um, anything that we may have missed? Other than the fact that it is coming out on the 7th of August. Yes. Very mm -hmm. soon, just under a month. Available for pre-purchase right now. That's right. And like you said, you get those nice little bonus characters if you do if you uh, do pre-purchase the game. Yes, exactly. Uh, and just that it's, it's, you know, it's everything that... Like in terms of size, it's just everything we we couldn't fit into the first game. It's massive now. <laughs> yeah. It's like more levels than the first game plus all of its DLCs, like at the beginning. So it's like you know it's a lot bigger and a lot more of an experience. So I hope people will really really enjoy. It. Yeah, we hope you love it. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to to spend a lot more time with the game. And Phil and Ollie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. 
Uh, once again, I'd like to thank our guests, Phil Duncan, Ollie Devine, Doug Bowser, and Katie Casper. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, just shoot us an email at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review. Uh, that helps the show get discovered by more people. And be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power.